All right, welcome back to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. My name is Todd Mitchell. We are finally closing out our GDC Week content. We are finishing up in spectacular fashion with uh, Mr. Kevin Gamble of Microsoft's Cloud Gaming Services. He is incredibly knowledgeable, very nice, and he was a super good sport in the face of many difficulties we had while trying to record. And if you stick around after the outro, you'll get just a glimpse of the kind of thing that we were up against trying to get this interview done. But he was awesome. I know you'll enjoy what he's got to say. So uh, here is my chat with Kevin. All right, Kevin Gamble of uh, Microsoft Cloud Gaming Services. How are you, sir? Good, Todd. Thank you very much. Thank you uh, for agreeing to come on the podcast. This is going to be the last show of the week for GDC, and I think people are excited to hear from you. So uh, tell me how GDC week has gone for you so far. Um, Other than the weather, which could have been certainly much better, uh, probably the best GDC we had ever. Um, Everything from just the great interest we've seen from independent game developers all the way up to AAA game developers, as well as some of our other initiatives around the gaming for everyone. I think it was just a great week. Very cool. Yeah, I agree. We were having basically the exact same weather back in St. Louis. So when people said, oh, you're going to San Francisco, I said, well, you know, don't get too excited. Yeah, I I ended up running across the street to Target to buy an umbrella, and it's the first umbrella I actually purchased in probably the last 20 years. So those (laughs) of us in Seattle, it it tended to be gray and drizzly, and it just poured in San Francisco. Yeah, so that's that's been kind of funny. Um, you were uh, before moving over to uh, cloud gaming services. You were previously working on the core Xbox platform, right when the uh, Xbox One X was uh, coming up to launch. Is that correct? That's right. Um, prior to my current job and my current role, um, I had been driving the software engineering efforts of Scorpio, or otherwise known as Xbox One X, basically from conception all the way to launch uh, last November. So I feel like I should congratulate you on all of the great enhanced titles that were available just right at launch for people, and and it's only increased from there. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Um, One of the things we took super seriously with Xbox One X was a great developer experience, and uh, I think we've been successful in that, and basically in the number of launch titles we actually had. It was actually our biggest launch title um, console release ever in the history of Xbox, and I think really leaning into the developer experience helped us there, and I hope to carry that forward as I think about the cloud work we're doing next. Absolutely. So Microsoft is basically putting an emphasis right now, and this is part of your, uh, it seems like your presence at GDC, but to uh, sort of translate all the success you guys have had with cloud development, cloud services in general, to uh, make those more widely available to the game developer side. Uh, Tell me about the, the strategy there. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Todd. You know, as we, you know, shipped Xbox One X, uh, Phil Spencer was recently promoted to be a direct uh, executive vice president under Satya. It kind of forced us to think about our business slightly differently than we thought about it in the past. If you think, you know, depending on how you count, there's roughly 7.2 billion people in the world today. There's estimates that by 2020, we think about 2 billion of those people will actually be either playing or watching games. Sure. And if we think about some of Microsoft's ambitions, it's basically how could we touch every single one of those 2 billion gamers uh, going forward around 2020? And there's a number of ways we can do that. Certainly from what I'll call the traditional to date Microsoft gaming focused areas um, around our devices, uh, that will be a piece of it. We are certainly not giving up on our, our hardware or Windows efforts at all, and that will continue. But we're not we're not going to sell two billion Xboxes. I would love to, but we're not going to. Sure. So so how do we kind of kind of reach that? So. Um, 
couple different angles. Uh, one's our first-party content. Uh, it's, it's a great asset we have at Microsoft around our first-party efforts. Uh, Minecraft has a footprint over 100 million active users already, which is fantastic. Um, but you'll see more of first-party casting a wider net and being available on more platforms. So that, that's one way. Uh, another way is through our Mixer a streaming service. Um, that's a very device-independent approach. Uh, we think that will be a way to touch some of those potential 2 billion gamers. As we think about our cloud gaming services, that's another, that's another way to potentially reach uh, our 2 billion uh, active gamers in 2020. And so we're taking a very thoughtful and intentional approach of delivering these cloud services from a very device agnostic or independent way. So it doesn't matter if you're a developer for iOS, Android, Steam, uh, Windows Store, PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox console, etc. We want to make our services available to all of you to make you as successful as we possibly can be. Often a lot of people forget we have kind of gaming in our core DNA um, going all the way back to 1981 when actually the first Microsoft game ever shipped. That was a game called Microsoft Adventure. And if you kind of fast forward that real quickly through kind of the future, you know, we have Microsoft Solitaire, probably one of the most popular games that that's ever shipped. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator to kind of the AAA stuff we have now today with, you know, Halo, uh, Turn 10 and what they've done, uh, what the coalition has done with Gears of War. Of course, there's Minecraft. And this week, uh, Sea of Thieves, brand new title that just shipped. Uh, yes. So we certainly have gaming kind of at our core. But in addition to that, we have a pretty strong, uh, what I'll call, platform legacy of leadership as well. Again, kind of going back all the way to 1985 when Windows 1.0 first shipped. Uh, you think about DirectX probably the most popular gaming API available today. Um, that shipped in 1994 as part of the Windows Gaming SDK as part of Windows 95. Xbox is a hardware platform that's been around since 2001, Xbox Live since 2002, and now we're building on top of Azure, which has been around since 2010. So, you know, we have platforms that are built to last. They're well supported by Microsoft. Uh, they're generally loved and still going strong and growing, which is fantastic. Absolutely. And what stood out to me talking to different members of the team in your uh, group this week was it's, it's easy to look, I'm a developer myself, it's easy to look at all of this stuff and, and think, like, boy, cloud services are overwhelming and it's, it seems like out of my reach to put this in my projects. But it seems like every group we talk to who, who deals with different products, there is a way for you to get started with all of these different pieces easy, in most cases free. You can implement things step by step and it just it seems like it's easier than ever now to get started in uh, moving beyond one and done game releases to ongoing value in your projects, right? Exactly. And then if I take a really big step back and I think about kind of Microsoft's role in this, I'll start with our mission statement. You know, and Satya set the tone long ago when he took over as CEO, but you know, really our mission statement is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. And that doesn't exclude game developers at all. And so that that's kind of the way I think about our starting point. Um, if you think about what we have available today, um, gaming cloud services, PlayFab is available to pick up today. It was a recent acquisition we did. Um, you can go to playfab.com, download the SDK, and you can get off and started uh, essentially for free. We bill per MAU, and the first 1,000 MAU is actually free. And for those of you who were at GDC, hopefully you signed up for the offer we had available there, uh, aka.ms slash GDC offer, which will give you a little bit more for free. But um, unfortunately, we're not there. Um, you can get get it up and running pretty quickly um, and it can actually complement an existing title you have 
or if you're starting from scratch and you want to take a more kind of uh, adopt the entire platform approach, that's also a, a valid approach you can take. James Gortzman of uh, PlayFab was my first guest this week. It was incredible hearing his story about uh, PlayFab's inception, joining the Microsoft family. He's obviously very passionate about this stuff, very passionate about enabling smaller dev teams. And that's that's something I've been trying to hammer home in each of my shows because my audience does skew towards the uh, smaller groups, indie groups, things like that. And uh, this does not seem out of reach at all anymore. Yeah, no, and that's one of the things that really attracted us to PlayFab. We felt like with our existing assets we had at Microsoft, we could bring to bear plus PlayFab and their focus on the indie mobile market. Um, it was really a one plus one equals three approach. And I love the energy and the thought leadership they bring to the space here at Redmond um, after the acquisition. And I think it's just it's just going to be uh, the, a real kind of igniter to our velocity all up when it comes to cloud gaming services. And uh, something that seems so incredible about uh, making this transition as a developer is when you're utilizing great cloud tools, it, it seems like for the first time you can you can get to know your player base at a much uh, more personal level. And that seems like such a big theme at GDC this year has been trying to introduce stability into the game industry because there are a lot of challenges and it's a fairly new industry. Uh, it doesn't have quite all of the same reliability that maybe software development uh, outside games may grant you. So it seems like, to me, if you really are able to introduce things like the stability of time-honored practices from Azure, cloud services, things like this, it seems like maybe you're, you're lowering risk for yourself. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think really being able to create a tight loop between, say, when you release an update or release your product for the first time, getting feedback from your user base and being able to iterate quickly on that feedback uh, will really provide a lot of value to your titles. I mean, traditionally, I'm on the older side of the things. Prior you know, to the Internet, really, games were developed in a very linear fashion where, where they would develop the game, they would deploy the game, and by deploying, that meant shipping it as uh, CD-ROM disks to places like CompUSA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on with the Internet, you'd be able to update the game, but that was kind of when the customer engagement ended. Similarly, from a marketing perspective, it was really you know, a t- target you'd acquire, and you'd acquire those again through CompUSA and other traditional retail channels, and that would be your monetization, but that's when the relationship would end. And now kind of spanning the entire genre of games from free-to-play all the way to the AAA space, that's ended. And having a tight loop across both the engineering aspects as well as the marketing aspects is really providing a lot of value, not only to the developer and the publisher, but also the end user. And so you think about games like GTA V or Rainbow Six Siege. Rainbow Six Siege has been out for 24-plus months, and they are probably more successful now than they've ever been in those prior 24 months. And that's kind of unheard of in the AAA space if you think back five or six years ago. Absolutely. And uh, you, you mentioned marketing. And one thing that I hadn't heard too much about until today was the shift for uh, Microsoft also to help try to um, provide smaller teams with that sort of marketing help, you know, helping you to acquire the players you want. And so, so that you can try new, new and interesting things with your projects. Um, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the marketing side that you guys want to focus on. No, that's a great question. Um, One of the benefits we have at Microsoft um, is our first-party studios, and we can often use those to learn new things about uh, 
our gaming customers and then take those learnings and apply those to a broader base and give the, those learnings essentially to our developers who are also trying to create games. Um, I'll give you two good examples. Um, one kind of in the AAA space is one of our first party studios has developed some pretty interesting heuristics when it comes to anti-cheat. Specifically, we know that physically a user can only move the cursor from the right end of the screen to the to the left end of the screen in a certain number, a certain amount of time. And through those heuristics, uh, we're able to detect that if the time is faster than that, they're most likely using an aimbot and they're <laughs> probably most likely cheating. That's an example of a service we want to provide uh, to all of our game developers to basically provide a, a better game and a freer uh, platform for all the, the player base. From a kind of more marketing perspective, some of our free-to-play games in the casual space, we've developed some heuristics uh, using machine learning and artificial intelligence that gives us some visibility into when we think someone's going to churn out. So again, we can give some visibility to our partners in the development space who are developing their own titles with their existing customer base around some alerts and some hints on things they can do that, hey, it looks like this person may may churn out, you may want to do something about it. So again, you know, what they do about it's really up to the game developer, but there are lots of things and lots of ideas from, you know, hey, we've, you know, a push notification, for example, saying, hey, we noticed you haven't been logged in in the last week. Here's a thousand coins to kind of get you re-engaged, or here's a skin to help you get re-engaged. Those kind of things we're really pushing hard on and giving services available to all developers, big and small, the ability to get closer to the customer base. Yeah, and especially with the uh, PlayFab platform as well, it, it seems so incredible the things they can uh, set up very simply in terms of just automated uh, tasks. If a user is in this situation, take this action, uh, allow, you know, hopefully bring them back in, get them interested. Just simply things you don't want to have to worry about on the developer side. I think that was super great. One interesting thing you, you mentioned is the internal properties. And throughout the week, I've heard from different uh, different experts who have talked to me about using those internal studios and those internal development teams working on first-party content to uh, sort of, on, on one side, uh, work with them to see what pain points they have as you guys develop your tools, but you know, then also to sort of get everyone on the same page and see where that sort of takes you. I mean, like, has, has that, have you identified a lot of pain points that way, or has that been very smooth? So we acquired PlayFab about two months ago. is about mid-January when we acquired them. And we're kind of in the process of doing a roadshow with First Party right now on getting them integrated in, into PlayFab. A lot of these existing studios had their kind of telemetry and data analytics pipelines already plugged in. And one thing great about PlayFab is whether you're an existing title or a new title, you can complement your existing infrastructure if you're an existing title and really use it a la carte, which is great. So that's kind of how we're getting our with first party studios. So they're beginning to integrate now and we're learning a lot and we're going to pass those learnings on to uh, our third party development partners as well. But for a net new title, we hope you adopt the entire platform from, you know, commerce to tournaments to matchmaking to real time analytics to, you know, enterprise automation, everything we do. But one of the things I just love about PlayFab is it's so easy to pick up and plug in to your existing title. It's not an all or nothing kind of concept. And it seemed incredible to me as I looked over the PlayFab documentation that I, I noticed like JavaScript libraries that I had used to make browser games. And, and they said, yeah, we, you can use PlayFab for that as well. And uh, James Gwartzman confirmed that. He goes, yeah, absolutely. Web is a, a big focus for us moving forward. And we want to be on board for those people who are making clients for, for these games. So 
it, it doesn't get more approachable than that. You know, if you're making games in the browser, you can start to incorporate some of these things into your development. You got it. it kind of goes back to that uh, kind of completely agnostic approach where we want to support all platforms, all devices, all major networks, all major game engines, and all major app stores. I mean, we're really being thoughtful about being as broadly appropriate as we can be. Sure. And one thing in game development is as the uh, development teams tend to skew smaller, sometimes the, you know, development practices don't necessarily match up to what you see in like an enterprise environment or even at a AAA studio environment. Uh, do you find people sort of apprehensive about uh, implementing like what, what you might consider uh, more robust tools for planning and, and, you know, documentation, things like that? Is, is that sort of scary for people or are they excited to get things that like, oh, you know, the Visual Studio family can help me uh, make task boards and stuff like this? Is, is that exciting for people or a little, little bit making them nervous? Uh, it's it's more exciting. I mean, if I, t- I take a step back and I think about our vision and kind of the gaming cloud aspect of it, we want to enable game companies to basically focus on the fun. And our job uh, is really to focus on making sure it runs. Um, so we want to do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the appropriate level of telemetry and insights you have into your customer base so that you can focus on the fun. You as the developer can really focus on the, the actual gameplay and making sure it's fun. So it, it's really been looked at uh, in a very positive net from the partners we've talked to so far on this. Okay, cool. So when it comes to uh, cloud gaming services, what is on the roadmap for the near future? I mean, where, where is your focus moving forward? We're really built for a future in cloud gaming. Um, again, I, I mentioned that uh, Xbox Live has been around for a long time, um, and one of our tenets when it comes to Xbox Live that we're carrying forward is definitely a secure and compliant space when it comes to cloud gaming. Uh, we've been leaders in data security for a long time, uh, as well as global compliance. Uh, we have this GDPR hitting uh, the European Union in May. That's something we take super seriously, and uh, we are ready to handle that. Um, but there's also some probably lesser-known things around CVA, CVAA, which is an Accessibility Act uh, in the United States, that basically says um, all communication platforms in the United States need to be compliant with the laws here. That goes into effect, I think, January of next year. Um, um, and often in a multiplayer game, communication takes a big aspect of it. We're going to be ready for that as well and have a number of services available uh, for developers to take advantage of if they want. Um, if you think about our platform agnostic view uh, from a device's perspective, we've talked about how we support that. But even as we build on top of Azure, uh, we're both looking at Linux and Windows um, as options to support in the cloud. So that's, that's something we want to do. Um, and lastly, we have quite a global reach. What was recently 42 data centers of Azure up and running, that has been uh, recently extended and we're now at 50 data centers uh, worldwide. So we have quite a global reach and that number is just going to continue to grow. And what that enables game developers to do is essentially scale on demand with competitive pricing. Sure. And something that, that stood out to me as being so cool is developers looking into uh, developing on, on cloud services. And as a platform, uh, if you look at PlayFab, stuff like this, um, you're, what you're really doing is leveraging all of Microsoft's hard work on things like security standards and, and just all, all sorts of 
things where the hard parts are taken care of for you and, and the you know a lot of the the forethought is taken care of for you because those things are very intimidating on the way in you know if you've never developed for multiplayer or you know you've never even done your own leaderboards before it's like you have a lot of unanswered questions and this this is stuff that you guys have already dealt with time and time again you understand how things need to be done the best methods for doing them starting up with these with these platform tools just seems incredible Yep, you kind of nailed it, Todd. I think James probably talked about kind of being a kid in the candy store when he kind of came on board here at Microsoft and kind of looking across all of Microsoft at all the existing gaming assets we have available and us being able to bring that to bear as part of the PlayFab offering. You know, obvious things such as, you know, the recent acquisition was Simply Gone and uh, Xbox Live are easy examples, but uh, even what Azure has an App Center, for example. So App Center has a number of iOS and Android devices in the cloud. So if you're a mobile game developer and you want to be able to test your mobile game, you'll be able to leverage App Center uh, in the cloud uh, to test your games instead of going out and buying every possible version of iOS and Android device that you want your game to run on and testing it on that. Um, so even you know what someone would not necessarily consider a gaming-specific uh, service, we will be able to make available to gaming because it certainly does apply there. Sure, absolutely. Uh, one thing I'm asking everybody is give us a resource people can uh, check out to learn, follow along, see what direction you guys are going, and uh, cool announcements, stuff like that. Where can people go to learn more? This is probably the same one James gave you. Uh, I would go to http://playfab.com, and you will have all the documentation and everything you need there to sign up for free and begin to see what we have to offer. Okay, that's awesome. Well, uh, Kevin Gamble of Microsoft Cloud Gaming Services, thank you so much for talking to us about all of this, and uh, best of luck in the future with this. this is, I think this is going to be huge for game developers and for you guys also. No problem, Todd. Hope you have a good rest of the show. Thanks once again to Kevin, who was a fantastic guest, really nice guy to speak with. Thank you to everyone at Microsoft who was so cool during this entire week. What an unforgettable experience. I really appreciate it. Also, thank you to uh, my new friends over at Unity, who uh, graciously welcomed me right at the end of the week when everyone was uh, just exhausted, and that's much appreciated. Thanks to Barat Bot, who worked so hard to line up guests for the show. Thanks to Richard Campbell of the .NET Rocks podcast, who worked real hard on all of this behind the scenes, which is much appreciated. Uh, shout out to my friend Dimitri Lylan, who was a great point of contact on the floor at the show, and to uh, everyone else who appeared in the podcasts. It, it is unbelievable. I hope it was great for you guys as well. So thank you, thank you once again. And uh, as always, if you guys enjoyed the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, let us know by subscribing, supporting the show on social media, uh, reach out to us, let us know you're having a good time and let us know what you want to hear, and we will bring it to you. So um, for everyone on the CodeWrite Play team and for our uh, buddies at Microsoft, Unity, and uh, everyone else who was so great at GDC, thank you guys so much. We will talk to you soon with our uh, regularly scheduled content. Thanks, everybody. What is our cloud development services we want to make available? Oh, boy. Hotel room phone call. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Get it. That sounds like an old school phone, too. It is, yeah. This is Barat's room. I do not know exactly what's going on. Okay. Boy, hanging up didn't stop it either. That's silly. One second. I'm sorry. Hello? Yeah, everything is totally great. Thank you. Will do. Thanks. Bye. A very persistent courtesy call. That is so funny. Sorry about that. <laughs>